Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is... Another mask. <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. 
From the center of the galaxy, this is a Force Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsack. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is one of our News and Cues episodes. The news stands for news, and the cues stands for quantum entanglement. No, I'm joking. Maybe in a different reality it does, but it stands for questions. Right, Ken? Man, I tell you what, we've got some quantum entanglements coming up. With that. If that's what you're going to say, because I feel <laughs> entangled coming up with some of these questions. <laughs> yeah, we got some question entanglement for sure. Some great yeah. questions, some uh, complex ones that are going to be fun to pull apart. Indeed, we'll start pulling in a bit. But before we do that, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, as always, whoever Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you, that yes, you, should try out. <laughs> on us and uh, that's not all joseph i imagined you just pointing at the listener that was powerful that was some great broadcasting <laughs> isn't that uh, what they teach you right smile and talk to your audience I don't <laughs> smile and point that's how you sell audible trials for mm-hmm. sure that's what i've always always taught anyway we have another offer inside editions publisher of a ton of great star wars books they are offering 35 percent off across their website if you use this special link InsideEditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we are recommending the Inside Editions book, which should be coming very, very soon. Or rather, excuse me, we are recommending Secrets of the Jedi in support of the book that is coming very, very soon, Secrets of the Sith. So if you want to check out Secrets of the Jedi now or Secrets of the Sith very soon, you can use this link, InsideEditions.com slash discount slash FC35. Check it out. It is a great company to get books from Star Wars, Game of Thrones, and others. Uh, before we get to the news, we always like to catch up with Star Wars or Life Adventures. And I'm trying to, as, we, as we're recording, just, I'm trying to replay the last week of my mind. Wow, that was a busy one. Uh, <laughs> what was going on with you? Yeah, no, many, many life adventures. Uh, so I just wanted to focus on the little Star Wars adventure uh, that I had this week. Um, you've been in my apartment, Ken. Uh, you know that there's a lot of Star Wars things everywhere. Uh, there has been a table that you and I and Jennifer used to use to record on when we recorded here every once in a while, uh, kind of in between the kitchen and the living room. And uh, it, it's it started out as uh, what I called the lava table, because my idea was uh, Sarah and I were like, we want to have people over. We'll play games here. We'll dine here. It's the lava table. You can't put anything on it. Uh, and <laughs> I very quickly betrayed the lava table and. Uh, for quite a while now, the front half of the lava table is like a massive pyramid of action figures. <laughs> and then the back of the lava table became any smaller Star Wars thing that I'm not sure where it should go. And it became just a mound, just like a mountain. Uh, so this weekend, I cleaned off the back of the lava table and cleared it up. And it was just a fun Star Wars journey. There's a bunch of things there that I had forgotten about that I wanted to hold on to or uh, put somewhere special or maybe put up or whatever. Um, and one of the things I found that I just completely forgot about is don't even know who gave this to me when. I don't think I bought it. Uh, but there's a lot of Force Awakens stuff, which is getting older now, right? And you have that kind of perspective of how fast time moves. Yeah. Uh, it was a Kinder Egg toy or a Kinder Egg where like one half is, I guess, an egg. I didn't open it. I've never had one. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other side, we open up for like just this little plastic toy. And it's this little red arm 3PO where you put a, 
it's only his the top half of his body. He's got the red arm. You put a disc, frankly, where his pelvis should be. Uh, and then it comes with a little paper first order flame trooper, and you can flick the pelvis disc uh, out of 3PO <laughs> to try to knock over the flame trooper. And it's just, I don't know, there's something about it that is both timeless because it's just like, that's the kind of thing that for me in the Midwest, Denny's used to have a well and you get that kind of just small plastic toy out of a well or a McDonald's happy meal. So there's, there's something about the style of the toy that's timeless, but then looking through all that stuff, a lot of force awakens rogue one last Jedi. And just thinking like this stuff was everywhere. And now some of it's, you know, hard, going to be hard to find. And it's going to be a collector's item because, you know, especially force awakens it was everywhere but time moves so fast it's gone now and like how quickly is red arm 3po gonna be a collector's item you know yeah and it's it's funny to think of and as it should it's 3po but like that red arm 3po in the marketing it was like what is this what does it mean remember those days yeah and you know it it meant uh, that he had a red arm a meaningful comic book but besides that uh it meant uh, he's got a different arm on this uh, toy where i can shoot his pelvis disc which I'm trying to say very, very carefully. Anyway, that was my little Star Wars uh, adventure. It was really fun to look back, uh, not just on the actual items, but all of the memories associated with them. And, you know, a little bit of the uh, the whole journey of this era of Star Wars and uh, doing the podcast and making friends and meeting fans. A lot of stuff from Celebration in that pile. So it was, it was a really nice uh, memory. That's uh, That's sweet. You know, pelvis discs with 3PO. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was emotionally sweet, pelvis disc. Uh, how about you? What were your Star Wars or Life adventures? Oh, man, you know what? It was just one of those weeks. I was uh, here, there, and everywhere doing things. Big um, live stream on Friday over at GPA to try to support our Kickstarter, which we, we really have where we're racing towards completing our first goal. And been a lot of fun. So it was a, lot of, it was a big work week. But I, I was out... Um, I was at a, at a comedy show Sunday night at a place uh, locally here called Flappers, uh, which is a, a comedy club in Burbank, uh, supporting Mark Ellis, uh, Justine Marino, Christian Harloff. Some folks are out there doing comedy. So great. I wasn't performing. I was just watching, which is always weird as a comic, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just when you're sitting in the crowd and there was at one point someone actually said, is there any comics in the audience? And my friends turned to me and I was like, no, don't don't say a thing. Shut up. <laughs> It's um, that weird push-pull between I want to jump up there and do that versus I'm in an entirely different mode. I'm observing. Yes, yes. And I often don't laugh. I'm just like, oh, that was a good bit. Ooh, I love the structure there. So, so it's a weird <laughs> thing. But uh, before, I was hanging out with a pal of mine. Uh, uh, I mentioned before, uh, my, my friend uh, Jen Murrow, and uh, we were hanging on t- talking and, and uh, talking about some career stuff. And at one point, she, she was needing some advice. And I, I, I literally, with all sincerity, Justice said, look, it is like Qui-Gon says, your focus determines the reality. And she started laughing. And she's a nerd. She gets it. But I was like, I, I didn't like intentionally do that it just was like i was quoting scripture like i was let me give you this bit of advice that helps me and i was like i'm sorry i just can't i can't not i can't not that's how much we study and love and just intake star wars and 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 by the way it's damn good advice and it always works when you bring it up so it was just a fun moment yeah that is a very fun moment and i think it you know it's one of those one of the powers i think of these stories and why we like talking about them is a line like that can be like reflective of the character, the narrative, the philosophy of the movie. But sometimes it's just like it's a complex idea, but it's this few words to just let us hold on to this complex idea, you know, yeah. and and to help us make decisions. And it sounds like probably with whatever you were giving advice on of like, here's here's this moment where this uh, complex problem 
maybe the first steps to solving it are by boiling it down to this this straightforward idea of, you know, yeah. what are you focusing on and how is it affecting how you're able to move forward? Exactly. It's, it, it's uh, you know, the depth of the Phantom Menace, man. The philosophies uh, of Qui-Gon are so popular. And, and you know, you can compare it to Yoda growing up, which is interesting also. Uh, I, I don't go on Facebook much these days, but I still have it. It's still an old habit. But I love lately, I've been loving looking at the Facebook memories. Um, fortunately, I don't have a ton of like super embarrassing things. But, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, use, I use social media different. But also the way I would craft a social media post has changed over the years. Thank God. But I was looking at an old Facebook post from 2011 in which I made a crack about uh, how how it's weird uh, that there's so many times in my life I'd sincerely repeat the advice I got from Yoda, which in 2011, we're still, it's it's it, maybe the, the rise of the, the nerd and geek culture is still kind of forthcoming, but it was starting to really explode that time. Mm-hmm. But it was so foreign to me to be able to just say that out loud and po- that I felt was weird. Right? Like, that's not right. I'm quoting Yoda. And here I is literally, you know, we're 10 years later and I'm, you know, quoting Qui-Gon in a bar to a friend. Uh, sincerely. So I don't know. It was a good, it, it was a good, uh, good connection there. Good memory and good moment. Yeah. Quoting Qui-Gon in a bar is just a great adventure to have. You shouldn't, you know, force adventures in life, but I'm going to try to quote Qui- Qui-Gon in a bar soon. Cause that just sounds like fun. Absolutely. I recommend it. I recommend it. <laughs> awesome. Um, so that is that. And uh, now on to Star Wars news. And look at this, folks. Disney Investor Day 2, the most exciting business meeting ever, is coming our way. November 12th. Get ready. Someone in a suit, probably named Bob, will be on screen talking Disney business and probably a whole lot of uh, fake uh, forced and now Kathleen, and as they pitch it to a new video, I love these. They're so wonderfully awkward. <laughs> They're just they—they they really scratch my inner kids in the hall office humor uh, uh, soul. Um, but no, really, this is this will excite. I'm, I joke, but Joseph, I'm I'm excited. Are you excited? Oh, absolutely. And I think this one is is different, right? Because I think that it is the, uh, an investor day, right? It is a presentation about what's coming next, like that massive one last year. But this is also like the first uh, inaugural Disney Plus day, right? Yes. So I think that there is an effort to almost address the those of us who, hey, want this information, but also maybe want to make some kids in the halls jokes <laughs> about this, uh, this, this place where the intersection between creativity and storytelling and business, 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 money, 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 is it's an awkward intersection, right? Or it can be. Yeah, the and flow I think they're chart. actually. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, is it the flow chart of our creativity? The flow chart of our creativity, exactly. And I think they're actually trying to address that by making it more like it's Disney Plus Day. It's yes. a celebration of this streaming service that, of course, we hope brings you joy and brings you community and all these things. That's true, and, and correct it to, to uh, uh, properly title it there. And yes, while not not expected to be as big as last year's event, which was earth shaking and rattling, and gave us so many things to talk about, it's safe to assume something cool related to Star Wars will drop. We're going to talk about something that we know we're getting, but I will. I still think we're going to get something else. Uh, Joseph, this is a rampant speculation, very unresponsible. Anything that you want to see on this Disney Plus day? Yeah, no, I gave a lot of thought to what the uh, Star Wars droppings might be, right? Because it's all Disney, so it'll be other things as well. But um, I think, you know, keeping in mind that 
especially if they're framing it as Disney Plus Day, it's mm-hmm. got to have two messages, right? One is uh, don't leave if you're already signed up. Right. <laughs> and the other is if you aren't signed up, please do. Um, so kind of with that in mind, I think looking to the future makes a lot of sense in terms of just making something concrete. So I kind of think maybe release dates or general ballpark for uh, Kenobi and or in the Mandalorian because, mm. you know, we, we know that they're coming. Um, maybe Bad Batch season two, so you can kind of start to get a sense of the calendar. Um, I think if they want to kind of take a step farther into the future, maybe some uh, fun details on Acolyte Orlando uh, or maybe even Ahsoka. So a little bit of casting, a little bit of more information there. Um, maybe sizzle reels for like 2022 in general that combines Kenobi and or Mandalorian season three, uh, Bad Batch season two. Ooh, that's a great list. That's a, that's a powerful list. A powerful list. Powerful. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, and you talk about like scissor reel, like I could imagine, I, I, number one, I think, I think a book of Boba Fett trailer or sneak peek of some kind. I, and, and we're going to talk about what we are going to get related to Boba Fett, but I, I, that just makes sense. Obviously yeah. the show's not too far behind. That's, oh, I almost want to say it's a given, but beyond that, you said like sizzle reel for 2022. Wouldn't it be great if you get up, you'd have Marvel stuff in, you know, uh, Disney kids, movies, kid, uh, high school musical. I don't know, put it all in a sizzle, <laughs> but in, in like snuck in there where we're all going to have to freeze frame, like the first shot of Kenobi or, uh, and or something like that, where, you know, we're going to be like, Oh, it's a freeze frame. Let's do two hours of speculation. <laughs> on it. Yeah. I hope it is just a shot of Vader's mask that reveals nothing, but we will get excited because it's a new shot of Vader's mask. Yeah. What does it all mean? Uh, yeah. Who knows? And who knows? And, 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 uh, maybe, you know, after last week's, um, uh, that 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 Sung Kang uh, scoop that uh, Ash uh, Crossan got, uh, it may, maybe maybe they're just like, ah, screw it, we better show him if, if he's talking about his character. Let's just do it. Put him in there, do a screenshot of that. So, oh yeah, I don't know. Something like that would be fun. Something like that will be fun. We'll see. We'll see soon. Uh, we will get though a special look at Boba Fett. Yeah, we have a special that is uh, going to celebrate the origins and the legacy of the infamous bounty hunter. That is. At once intriguing and also just uh, I I have a weird I'm going back to the 80s just going oh, all right let's let's that guy who barely spoke and got launched in the Starlight Pit here we are people love him for good reason he's got a show uh, Joseph what are your thoughts on this special Yeah I think this the goal of that special is going to bridge the various generational gaps of why people love this character and without directly addressing I don't think anybody's going to turn to the camera and be like now we know some of you think Boba Fett isn't the big deal that he is and wonder why everybody like I think without saying that I think they're going to try to address that by you know having fun with the behind the scenes there's so much lore right um about the development of the character his uh you know initial parade appearance um that you could send away for him, for him, his appearance in the uh, holiday special, the uh, myth of the action figure with the rocket, I think really kind of celebrating some of the behind the scenes, real life lore that added to the mystery of the character, as well as maybe talking to people, you know, who from the generation that grew up with him is the, the cool, mysterious guy to really try to give voice to. Why did people feel so passionate about this guy uh, to, to generations who didn't experience him that way? I, I I love what you're saying here. I'm really behind this idea of when you're talking about celebrating the origins, 
he, he's he, the the origins for this tiny character are so well documented, but there, there's still a lot of like uh, urban legend around it. You know, either mm-hmm. you know he first appeared in that parade, or you don't, or you think uh, every every Boba Fett figure was a rocket firing one, or you know that none made the show. Whatever, it's it's still fascinating. If we could maybe dump it all in one place and have, I'm not looking at a you know this is like a docu series on Boba Fett, but this special look really exploring that. And you're right, taking it forward like this is a character that. Um, I think that they may still have to convince some people and not, not me. I joke, but I, I'm so excited for book of Boba Fett now, but like, you know, that was even the thing. Like even Jennifer Landon admitted like, eh, I don't know, Boba Fett. All right. Now Boba Fett, you got me. Um, <laughs> how do we get to that point? And, and, and if they could do that by just getting us excited for what this character meant, has meant, uh, and will, and will mean going forward with this new show. I like, yeah. That. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of am, am leading with, you know, trying to recapture, you know, that, that mysterious mythos of mm-hmm. the, uh, the early eighties. Um, but I also think, you know, there's the Lucas comments about like, I didn't realize people liked him that much or I wouldn't have offed him like a doofus. <laughs> right. And kind of using that's old enough that maybe you can be honest about it right now. And using that as a jumping off point to like, here's all the stories that he had in the EU, you know, uh, here is why that's why Lucas was motivated partially to put him in, the Clone Wars and and have another generation get this different relationship with him as, you know, a clone and the child of a lost father and all this stuff that really starts to build on the character and, uh, you know, add to the mystery and, and the stuff then that is truly dealt with in the show. You know, I think it might also just be a great refresher for fans of different generations of like, here's a story in order. Yeah. The, the thing that's, that I always go on about, like, but here's all the different meanings he can possibly carry. He's a he's a clone. He's a bounty hunter. He's a Mandalorian, but he's kind of not any of those things either, you know, yeah. uh, and that's what is making the character fascinating. And that's what they're tapping into in that first season, his first appearance in Mandalorian, I think. Yeah, I love it. Uh, documenting the history, uh, history of record of Boba Fett and getting us ready for the series. Interesting. I, I, I love it. I, again, um the fact that we got the series of Boba Fett coming up and Boba Fett's being, I, I've never been like actively against Boba Fett, but I, I definitely was one of those ones that, eh, I just put him on the shelf. He's, he's cool to look at. And, and uh, that's my experience. I love there's, there's this excitement for this character and a new way to look at this character perhaps going forward. That's, uh, it's going to be fun. And it's all part of Disney Day, Disney Investor Day 2. Uh, so get your, uh, get your notebooks out and take some notes uh, of what the Bobs are saying. It's going to be fun. <laughs> That'd be fun. All right. Uh, sticking with um, Book of Boba Fett. This is, we'll put it in, I don't want to say rumor, but uh, yeah, no, no, no sources cited, not officially confirmed. But a film music reporter is a website saying that uh, Ludwig Gornson is set to provide the score for the upcoming series Book of Boba Fett. I can't remember. You could maybe even remind me, Joseph, if we even heard this before. Rumor, talk, anyone to talk about it. it. I saw it. I was like, I just perked my, uh, you know, my ears perked up and it piqued my interest because uh, I hadn't really considered that before. I don't remember off the top of my head if it had been mentioned before, right? Uh, I do not remember, uh, but my interest in ears are are, are peaked and perked. <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> for this. Uh, so, yeah, thoughts on this is, is, if this is true, Joseph, and do we like Ludwig sticking with this kind of this corner of the Star Wars universe, which is this maybe Favreau-verse, this live-action-verse, uh, Mando-verse, some people Mando, have called it. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it, too. What, what do you think about uh, Ludwig uh, possibly uh, sticking in that uh, in that verse? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy to see him get to explore other things. I'm happy to see other uh, composers come in, if that makes sense. But I really like him sticking with Boba Fett because I feel like he's kind of already built the foundation for Boba Fett in this era. He wrote some great music. Um, the music he wrote for Fett's Rampage is so great. It's one of the things that gives the scene its power. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really happy that he's continuing uh, with the the journey he started with Boba Fett and with Fennec Shan, for that matter. Mm. And also, I, I kind of like that we're in this place of ambiguity where it is unclear how much the book of Boba Fett is just like, and here's the deal with Boba Fett, or how much it's going to tie back into key events, right, yeah. uh, for The Mandalorian. Is it The Mandalorian Season 2.5 or not? We kind of don't know yet. Right. And I can see it being an adventure of of Boba Fett's and Fennec Shand's and the criminal underworld. And I can see it if everything is is building up to this super team is eventually going to take back Mandalore, that it's an important part of that story. Um, yeah. And if it is a little bit Mandalorian season 2.5, as well as its own story, then I'm really happy that we have that uh, musical consistency. Yeah, yeah, s- same, same, and uh, I just like, uh, yeah, just excited to see what he, he can come up with. And you're so right to, you know, cite the the, the fat stuff in Mando season two. Just it, it, it's it's not surprising in a way. So that's why we're kind of talking about it here. This idea, though, you mentioned like new composers. I can't wait to also hear. Um, you know, uh, also hear some more uh, names added to the list. And I'm I'm not great with composers. I don't, I just don't know. I don't have a rolodex of who I'd like to see in Star Wars. Uh, in terms of music, but you know, is there this thing? Just sometimes this happens where something is uh, something's new, and we all get kind of afraid of it. Could be a name, could be a composer, <laughs> and also becomes it becomes the standard, and then we become afraid for new after that new. <laughs> it's a weird thing. <laughs> Luke was new one point, and I'm thinking of you know going back to uh, Rogue One, and and, and even though Jacino uh, came in late in the in, in the game, because what uh, Despot uh, pulled out of it. Um, this is one of the more accomplished composers out there. And we still had problems with that new with, with Michael Giacchino coming in for rogue one. So talk to me about new <laughs> and are we ready for new Joseph. Yeah, I think you're right. The, uh, you know, the only constants are death taxes and uh, fear of change. Right. Um, but then think people get excited about things. You know, a couple of things that, that come to my mind is just, I, I really hopeful and intrigued by the fact that a lot of the stuff in the star Wars pipeline is yeah. really different and demands different music. It's not the epic, it affects the entire galaxy, but it is also the story of this family that the Skywalker saga was, you know? Yeah. It's not building on like Solo, where like there, there are musical themes associated with this guy yeah, <laughs> and who he is going to become. Um, things like Andor, right? Of like, okay, well, who is, who is the best to write spy thriller music? What does tense music how much of you know classic john barry james bond should slip right. into there who can do that and then you look at something like kenobi and like okay that's probably going to use a lot of classic star wars mm-hmm. music as it should but maybe we need a new kenobi theme that really sounds like john williams wrote it like who's the right so i'm, I'm really excited not just about who's going to come but um what are the different challenges yeah. that they're going to face because it's not just Hey, we're making another Skywalker movie. Not that anybody but Williams and yeah. Kevin Kiner kind of in the Clone Wars uh, movie. Yeah. But for me, uh, so there's that thought that I wanted to get out there. And then just for name composers, I love John Powell's score for Solo. I would love to see him come back and do more. And then uh, Natalie Holt has done a lot of things, but she just did Loki. And it is mm. so different. So like uh, it is 
eerie and fun and a little bit of carnival and a little bit of fate and time travel and comedy all at the same time using really different instruments. It's one of the things that makes Loki really its own thing. Mm. So I just really want to want to see her work um, somewhere in Star Wars because I thought her work for Loki was phenomenal. That's awesome. That's a great name. Great pull. And uh, yeah, I, you just got me really excited uh, about an actual, you know, grade A Kenobi theme. This right. What that could be. What are the sounds of drinking in a bar in a music form? <laughs> the Cheers theme, but in Star Wars. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. And then uh, I don't expect uh, 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 Williams to come back for just something like that, but he could. But also at the same time, I think... Um, um, same time, like I, I'd like, to, I'd just like to see, uh, like a John Powell type uh, who did so well of merging, playing with existing Star Wars themes in uh, solo. I'm with you too. I love that score. So good, good work. Great driving music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. I got to tell you, and and workout music. If you want to, you can get pumped to uh, the Cloud Riders emerging and attacking. I'll tell you. <laughs> The Cloud Riders and my abs emerging. <laughs> uh, there you go. We'll update you if this is uh, a final, official, confirmed. But uh, we'll go with this story. Ludwig Gornson to uh, work on Book of Boba Fett. Uh, quickly, though, uh, while we're recording th- this, uh, been a busy morning for both of us, Joseph. But we, we do want to talk about this batch of Funko Pops about to hit the world. Uh, StarWars.com kind of announced it's a, it's a Mandalorian-themed uh, bushel of Funko Pops dropping our way. Here's some of the highlights. We'll pick our favorites. Here we got, we got Frog Lady. Yeah. Doris Frog Lady. We still don't know her name. We'll free that up. I got Frog Lady. We got Luke with Grogu. Oh, my God. We, we'll reserve a lot of time for that. We got Cobb Vanth. We got uh, middle-aged Boba Fett without the helmet. My favorite Boba Fett design. Oh, we got Fennec Shand. Uh, we got another Boba Fett, but this time the helmet's on and he's got his armor back and he's a little happier. Then we got Fennec and Boba Fett sitting on that throne after they uh, deposed uh, Bib Fortuna. That's going to look good on a shelf. With full armor repaint. Yes. Oh, yeah. With the uh, paint by numbers. I did it myself in the back of the ship <laughs> armor there. Grogu yep. on the scene stone. Oh, my gosh. We got Mandalorian. Uh, we got the Mando himself, Din Djarin, uh, with the little, uh, what's got that? Uh, the, the, the Beskar the, Pike. The Beskar Pike, yes. Uh, then some concept ones. Uh, close in there. You and I aren't as excited about the concept art ones. And then... <laughs> what might be the best one, but also the most traumatic. Uh, we got the, the Dark Trooper launching up with a very sad, fearful Grogu in his hands. Oh, that one. I don't know. That one. I couldn't have that one in my house. Uh, Grace will not allow that one. In my house. <laughs> Anyways, ran through the list. Joseph, what got you excited in that batch? Uh, it, it is hard to look away from the Dark Trooper with sad Grogu. Ears down, hand reaching out. Like, this is the moment. This is why the episode is called The Tragedy, right? This is a Funko Pop called The Tragedy. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is uh yeah, no, I mean that that's uh that's intense. I I normally gravitate toward the Funko Pops that have some level of irony. I love the Palpatine ones cuz I feel like uh, if Palpatine saw that it, it mm-hmm. would piss him off that somebody made him look cute, <laughs> right? Yes. Uh so I sometimes gravitate toward that uh uh but the that the tragedy might be a little bit too tragic to just look at every day. Yeah, you couldn't put that on the shelf like you know, I don't display my Funko Pops as much anymore, but like the ones I do, uh, they, it, it, you know, bring up some kind of a, a positive emotion. In me. 
<laughs> yeah, hope, the ability to keep fighting, kind of laughing at a villain. Like, uh, here's his child being ripped from his uh, adoptive father. Fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I tell you what, the, the Grogu on the sea and stone there, I, eh, man, that one looks, and it's a light and sound piece. Um, that one just looks like it belongs on my uh, coffee table. Yeah, no, that one's like the complete opposite, right? Because that's like calling out for help. Like, I, I'm tempted to get that one and like put it like right on top of my desk and just be like, I'm on the sea and stone. I'm sending an email. Can somebody help me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Will Jedi come pick me up. Luke Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> Will you please complete my training? I love that. Um, I think the other ones, the, the Cobb Vant, that's just beautiful. That's just, that's yeah. a... That's a handsome marshal right there. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just I just like his style. I think, you know, the 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 Boba Fett with the armor back on the throne, that's that's all great, but the scarred one, that has that level of irony of like, you know, uh scarred Boba Fett, you know, grim, you know, I will I will, you know, follow my honor and I will do what I said I did, but also I'm going to slaughter these stormtroopers uh to have that just Fett on a rampage, but he's cute. <laughs> yeah, that's my sweet spot personally for Funkos. Yeah, rampage and cuteness—that's a good spot to be. Yeah, um, I have—I uh, keep saying, you know, I've kind of stopped the Funko Pop collecting. Uh, a lot of them just go straight into the the boxes in a storage shed, so I just kind of stopped. But every once in a while, uh, they'll put some out, and it's just you, you can't, you just can't. I don't know. Well, Grogu's probably going to find his way to me. That's all I'll say. So the temptations. Are you are you affected by the the Luke with Grogu? Do you like that one? Oh yeah. No, actually, I do want to talk about that. I do. I I really. I I was. I saw that they were doing one before I was scrolling down. You know, like a tweet or something went out, and you know, so I was like, oh okay. And you know, Frog Lady, that's great. And by the way, I love Frog Lady too. Oh so yeah. Maybe that might be there too. But then uh, I scrolled down, and I got to tell you, it made me excited in a way I didn't expect. And I love that episode. And I love that moment. So no problems there. But yeah, it, 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 Joseph, it's because it's Luke. It's Luke in figure form, in some figure form. Yeah, it, it is, it's a new Luke in this great way. And also just in terms of Funko Pops, you know, being really successful, not just in, in being this sort of super minimal uh, attempt to capture what people, what, you know, mm -hmm. characters look like. But the, the power of Funko Pops is also having these like iconic moments and like the yeah. idea that this is an iconic moment of the old and the new of Star Wars meeting and, and what that moment represents of... Uh, this child uh, called out for help, so Luke came and, and gave him help because that's what he's doing right now. Uh, it's it's mm -hmm. a it's a really nice <laughs> moment to have captured. Yeah, uh, so there you go, Funko. You got me back. I'm paying attention. Yeah, so, yeah. I'll clear some space. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what. I pulled. I was in storage. I pulled out uh, uh, my uh, my Kira Funko Pop pop and my uh Daenerys sitting on the throne in Dragonstone. So now I've got an Amelia Clark Funko Pop wing, which includes <laughs> the last stand of Jorah Mormont and Daenerys Targaryen uh, Funko Pop action scene, which is traumatic, but uh I'm a Jorah guy, so I, I have that moment. So uh, Grogu, you're gonna be right there. It's gonna be Daenerys Targaryen and Grogu on my Funko Pop display tra uh, wall. Well now I'm gonna Google if they made any Funko Pops for that holiday rom com last Christmas that Amelia Clark was very, very funny in and uh, I'll get you that Funko Pop. Last Christmas, she sings. She sings very well. She's a good singer. I've, 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 uh, I've enjoyed that version. Uh, there you go. That's our look at Star Wars news. Uh, we'll see what drops after today. Before we get to your questions, we want to recommend an audio book for you to consider trying out. Joseph, what do we have? We have the one that we have been recommending for a record length of time because different <laughs> things keep popping up. Uh, but we are going to get on top of this book. 
I swear, we're going to read this, and we want you to have listened to it when we talk about it. It is the uh, newest, uh, still, uh, High Republic book, Out of the Shadows by Justina Ireland. I really want to write a handwritten letter of apology to Justina Ireland, because <laughs> I read this book, and she's so good, and, and we'll get to it. But download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audio book. All right, we've hit the break, and uh, we'll see you on the other side with your questions here on Force. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. 
Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to Forsen. On our superstar star of our fleet, our uh, Boba Fett's uh, paint-by-numbers suit of our collection. I don't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> The Amelia Clark shelf of our Funko Pops. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I, I've been a long. It's been a long week, and I love the warm embrace that Force Center is for me every Monday. But sometimes I feel bad. I just come crash landing, uh, try to uh, celebrate stars with you all. Um, we are here. Um, we are ready for your questions, Joseph. What do we have? Yeah, we got two questions from Twitter, as always, and two from our patrons on Patreon. Thank you all who send in questions. We've got a lot of them uh, to go through in these coming weeks. Uh, but right now, let's answer the ones we have. First from Jonathan Curdy from Twitter. Jonathan says, if you could set a Star Wars sound, a sound effect, a line, a scene, music, combo, etc., as the text tone and or ringtone, when you receive a text or call from each other, what would it be? Uh, what about the tones for other folks in your life? Uh, Ken, I want to answer this question. It's a great question. It's a fun question. But first, I need to ask you something about our relationship. Yeah. Have we ever called one another? Um, I don't think so. I, I, and that seems weird to say because you, you and I are both we're both old oldsters. You know, calling's <laughs> not a thing we don't have a problem with that most of all. But I've definitely adjusted to a text based life. Yeah, texts, emails, DMs every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is always weird when you have a conversation in four different spots with the same person. But <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, even when you you and I uh, a few years ago now, time flies. But we were in Vegas together for the Wizard World. Uh, we've definitely been at conventions together. And a lot of times I find our conventions where, where you call people you don't normally call because you just, you just, you didn't need to get a direct answer of where you are. Or <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. So I think we would have to limit, uh, the text tones, uh, the ringtones would just <laughs> never get used apparently. Yeah. And don't Maybe. Feel, yeah. And don't feel bad. I, I think in the fi almost five years have been together with Grace, I think I've called her four times. <laughs> right yeah i mean it's just it is that's like a really weird day of like i got a call from someone who's not my wife what's going on <laughs> the world's on fire yeah i just don't do a ton of calling uh because of uh, all the other forms of communication uh, but let's answer this then uh, have you done that have you set any uh unique tones ringtones for texts uh anybody calling you uh, back in the day, yeah, I, I, and I am uh, full disclosure. I'm on the Star Wars app sound effects board, which I've used before here on this channel. But like, you know, you can, you could, uh, um, use you set you. I think you can download them and set as ringtones too, if if you want it. Um, but um, oh, that's right. I'm trying to play it for you all to hear, and I haven't plugged both corners in. That's smart. <laughs> um, we'll do that another time. Um, but they don't. I was looking. They don't have the one I want, which is you know why why not go with the obvious answer? Oh, there it is. That's not the one I wanted. Um, 
the the seismic uh, charges. I, I always say it's my favorite sound in Star Wars. I, I I don't think I've ever used it in the past. I did use an R two text tone, um, but I think I'd have to do that one. And, and, and one of the things that changed my life. Sorry, this is a personal rambling. I, I my phone's always on silent. I, I yeah. never. I, and I think that's just kind of proto- protocol now. <laughs> At some point, four years ago, society, we were like, everyone mute your phones all the time. <laughs> um, but it's not as fun, right? Yeah, it just became easier. I remember when that was a thing when, you know, now it's the please don't pull out your phone in the middle of a movie and start mm-hmm. texting and, you know, waste your own money and, you know, blow out everybody's eyes with the bright, uh, you know, rectangle of light. Before it was like, we know you all have devices, just turn them to silent. Like <laughs> at this point, like who has them on? Uh, yeah, it's just not a thing. Yeah, the, the strangely, like the strongest association I have with this, and then we will answer Jonathan's actual question, yeah, yeah. is uh, it, I first wrote it in 2005. I wrote this um, romantic comedy for the stage that was inspired by Choose Your Own Adventure novels called Adventures in Mating, where the audience got to make decisions and there's like little cliffhangers and then the waiter character would step forward and get the audience to vote just by like applauding and hooting and hollering. And like one of the last decisions, the big choice was, um, there's suddenly they're having a fight, the couple, and suddenly uh, the imperial theme plays, and the woman on the date was like, "What is that about?" And and the guy was like, "Well, it's that's it's uh, my ringtone, which uh, means it's my ex-wife." And then the decision for the audience is who should answer the phone, <laughs> uh, you know, the guy, the woman, or the uh, the waiter. And the audience never ever voted for the guy to answer his own phone. <laughs> <laughs> And we actually forgot the dialogue to that scene because we never got anyone to choose, you know, the reasonable thing. So I have a strong association with it because like for me, it was like that, that what I, I played that scene a ton, mm. um, used to do that show weekly. Uh, so I, I played that scene where you had the weird, like I have a star Wars tone, uh, in real life in public. Yeah. <laughs> and I think putting it in a show and kind of making a joke out of it probably made me feel like, I don't know if I want to do that in real life. Yeah. 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 No, no. Mm. Yeah. But for me, if I was going to set just to directly answer Jonathan's question, if I was going to set a tone for you, I definitely I think seismic charge is probably the real one because that would be it's a fun noise and it wouldn't get too annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know why this came to my mind, because when you text it, even if we're like just figuring something out or there's a headache or something you need to work out, it's I'm still always happy every time uh, I see your name pop up because it's either something fun or we're venting or we're figuring something out. Uh, so I thought of the sound of Chewie laughing from Empire Strikes Back when he's <laughs> laughing at Han being scruffy looking. That's a good one. They don't think they have that. They might have that on the soundboard if my soundboard was working, if I was plugged in. I could that <laughs> That's a good one. That's uh, yeah. Good. And the joke one, the one that I, l- I like the idea as a joke, but I wouldn't honestly do is, what is she proposing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really wish there was a clip out of that one there. <laughs> So that's my actual answers. Uh, yeah, I think if I set, if I had my phone on and set just general tones, I, I never tired of hearing a lightsaber noise. That would be yeah. great. Uh, maybe uh, the Utini, you know, something classic. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. If I was to set one for you specifically, I, I think it would have to be uh, like a hello there, right? That, that would work. <laughs> I think I got you. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That would get frustrating. Yeah. Is that uh, could you play that again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I sorry it's not plugged into my board, everybody, but hello there. <laughs> <laughs> we could just do that all day. It's oh, just, the poor war cry. That's a good yeah. one too. But yeah. that would get annoying real fast. 
Yeah, so we do have, uh, yeah, we, yeah, you could do, yeah, you could do that all day long. By the way, yeah, if, if, if none of you have ever gone to the official Star Wars app, download it and go to their soundboard. I literally have done this all day. I've just done this all day to my own amusement. <laughs> Please stop with the Star Wars sounds. It's pretty great. That's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on tech sounds before we move on? Well, one thing I will say I do, I, I, you know, because my phone's always on silent, it's kind of less fun, you know, um, personalized ringtones and everything. My mom has them for me. Like she downloads those 1950 songs converted into song phone call parody thing, you know, whatever. God bless her. Um, I do use for alarms. I use uh, my music uh, that's in my iPhone, right? So certain alarms, some might be the Light of the Seven song from Game of Thrones, uh, Leia's theme, Padme's Ruminations, and then Jedi Steps uh, and Yoda's theme. I have all kind of the quieter. They all kind of begin quiet so they can hopefully slowly wake you up. Uh, oh, I, yeah, it's a good that's thing. That's a beautiful theory, but I, I can't do it because I don't want to get cranky at something I love. Uh, <laughs> I have my own phone. I have like just like the Awuga old school uh, car horn. Yes. Because <laughs> oh. it's kind of weird, but like, but I'm never going to. But uh, my wonderful wife, Sarah, has had uh, over the years that theory, not not a known thing, but just like you can download like here's tinkling bells with a stream that grow mm-hmm. louder. And it's so weird how fast the association becomes. I hate tinkling bells in water. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, it's an ongoing debate in our house. Um, Grace is uh, not a fan of waking up. Uh, who is? Um, so, she at one point finally said, she's like, look, I love Star Wars. I, I Every time I hear the Jedi steps in Force Awakens, like, I just think of you waking up and waking me up in the process. <laughs> You've got to stop that. So, Jedi steps has been replaced. And then... Um, I chose Leia's theme. So here's the, the tricky thing about Leia's theme. You think of Leia's theme and you think softer, right? Maybe starts, maybe uh, slowly wakes you up. It doesn't really, it begins with some pipes kind of dominating. So every time, and I have like so many alarms and they all, I you know, they're all individualized with the songs for no real rhyme or reason. So every time the Leia one hits, I shoot out of bed and I try to turn my phone off as fast as I can before Grace kills me. Because it's oh. too you're like, oh, no. so I got to maybe, unfortunately, because Leia seems one of my favorite songs. It might have to go. It's just you got to wake up before the hope gets too loud. Right. Yeah. Well, the best one is Padme's Ruminations. That one is slow, menacing. You wake up in a real just pit of darkness. It's, it's really a great way to wake up. Right. And then if you're watching the movie and it reminds you of, uh, of something bittersweet yeah. and uncomfortable, it matches sure. the film. Uh, great question. Great question. Yeah, thank you very much, Jonathan. That was a ton of fun, and clearly uh, sent us down a lot of different thought paths and revelations about our morning routines. We're going to move on to a great question from Kyler Mark Allred. Uh, Kyler says, "Who is an obscure Star Wars character that you have always been proud of knowing their name? Mine is Seal Bibble. It's always fun to point him out to people <laughs> and see their expressions when I tell them his name." Uh, there's no communications disruption there. Kyler sees Seal Bibble and says, that's Seal Bibble. That's great. Uh, it's a really fun question. I love knowing Seal Bibble's name. Ken, for you, what are the obscure characters that you like knowing their name and, and dropping yeah. it into conversation? If you so here's the thing. I, I And tell me if I'm off base here. It kind of is change, it changes over time, right? Mm-hmm. There was a point where the fact that, you know, we knew who Jucasta knew was was and that there was a Jedi librarian. Even people who had seen Revenge of the Sith are like, time out. What are you talking about? 
Um, and I remember competing in a, in a Schmodown match not too long ago. Time does fly, but not too long ago, 2017 range. That question got asked of me, uh, of the competitors, and it might have been that Whitware match. It was at the, the, the 60 minute Ironman one or whatever it was. And um, we both answered Jocasta New Jedi Librarian. And afterwards, two or three competitors, movie fans, came up to me they were like are you telling me there's a librarian in star wars i'm like do you guys just not watch these films before you <laughs> criticize them like what are you and so point is it's changed right so for me the one i love now and it's actually in uh, one of my stand-up uh, bits is is garvin dave drace right mm. it, it, because the fact that his nickname is dave is, <laughs> is the most confusing thing to people who don't know and it's an, a name that's been around for so long but no one you don't focus on that name uh, and I just, it's, it's just become one of my favorite names to, to reference. And it gets a laugh on multiple levels, right? And you, I'm sure you know this from your Star Wars material and your stand up act, whether you're performing to a, uh, you know, geek friendly crowd or just a general crowd, uh, knowledge of Star Wars can be varied in both groups. And so you get a, you get a, oh my gosh, he just referenced Garvin Dave Drace, or you get a, what that guy knows that name. <laughs> it's just a fun reaction to see every time around. Yeah, and then he has the nickname Dave. Is uh, that's really you know kind of I think most people with any sort of awareness of Star Wars kind of know the joke of like yeah some of the names are just really sound cool like Darth Vader and Boba Fett and then others are weird. Yeah, <laughs> the people don't know all the permutations in which they're weird. Of like, <laughs> do you know some of the pilots have like real space names and then just like absolutely like they're playing high school football <laughs> nicknames in the middle? Uh, good old Dave. Oh, love it. That's my answer. <laughs> Yeah, you well, you're going to be a good pilot there, Skywalker. Call me Dave. <laughs> yeah, um, you're right. It totally changes over time. I think for a long time, one of my favorites to, to say was uh, uh, Bren Derlin, to know Bren Derlin, uh, because it, it got to be a relatively well-known thing that John Ratzenberger, uh, Cliffy from Cheers, yeah. uh, to me, uh, was in Star Wars. And, and people would say, like, did you know Cliff isn't, you mean Bren Derlin? <laughs> So it was, a, it was a fun party trick that I actually knew his name. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then they, they definitely change over time. And right now, I think in the Star Wars community, especially, you know, being involved in the movie Trivia Schmodown, that that mm -hmm. there's such uh, knowledge. Um, I start to gravitate more to like, I'm going to dig up characters' names because I want to know it because there's something about that character I like. Mm -hmm. Um so for me, a couple, um, Hermione Bagua, uh, when we discovered, you know, that was her name when we were doing databank brawl, I'm fascinated by her cause she is one of the least alien characters in the star Wars. I think she, she's got one bit of tech that maybe identifies her as being, you know, from space. Otherwise like Hermione Bagua could just be in an episode of law and order. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. And then she's got this great name. So I love that. Um, I've become obsessed with a uh, Senator's sweet Concord kill, yeah. uh, because it's just a weird and fun name to know. And he's just, he's the Verk Senator who is in the box uh, at the Galaxy's Opera House watching Squid Lake. <laughs> just like, uh, why is that poor guy there? Because everyone else is in the uh, Palpatine inner circle. <laughs> yeah. Palpatine's just like, I got an extra ticket. You come. Come. Get over there. Uh, and then the last couple. Um, this, I just went on a mission of just like, I've always uh, thought that it's funny that that's what these two guys' role in the saga of Star Wars is is to toss the lightsabers to Anakin and Obi-Wan and attack the clones. So I went and dug up their names, and that is a uh, Nikonis Tasu and Sefjet Jossel. <laughs> Man, yeah. yeah they are. <laughs> so fun to know those. And my final one that, that agrees with you is kind of uh, attaching the old and the new. Mm. 
I feel like so many Star Wars fans know the the quotes, some of the most famous quotes, I would argue, from A New Hope. Uh, stay on target, stay on target. And they came from behind. Uh, and I realized at some point when I studied for trivia, like, I don't know that. I don't know that guy's name. Uh, so I like knowing Davish Crail just from my own fan perspective perspective yeah. uh davish pop pops crail i believe pop, right. <laughs> right that's again we got dave we got pops carl's in the back good old biggs uh what do we call biggs ben dark i don't know it's but pops is great davish pops crail yep you are uh, on target you touched on some things here uh, this got me thinking here sorry for the free form thinking here kyle this is a great question um you and I and many listening have been around the block for decades watching Star Wars. And sometimes when the names emerge was a little bit later in our fandom. And and like you said, Hermione Bagwell, maybe you research and discover that. There's, so there's been some discoveries. Do you have outside of those ones, any any name that you're like, man, I never I never learned that. And I don't know how, but I never did. And now I can never forget it. Because for me, it's it's Trey Callum, who is the rebel officer the the that's on Hoth looking through uh, the uh, the binoculars there at, at the at at foot, which is one of my favorite shots in Star Wars. So in researching that and then discovering it was Bob Anderson, the stuntman, and I just I just never had that bit of knowledge in my head. So this is like three years ago I learned it, and now it's never going to leave me. And I'm proud of that one too. But it's it's weird that sometimes those names just emerge. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I think people of our generation, I think, have maybe this specific perspective of like for decades, uh, some of these Imperials or rebels in the original trilogy, like that person doesn't have a name. There's not an action figure of them. They weren't a trading card. It wasn't a thing. They didn't get named early on in the RPG. And they've only recently, like in the last three or four years, got a canon name. Right. Right. Uh, so a, a, a couple of those. um and he might have been named earlier, but yeah, I like knowing uh, Colonel Dyer uh, being Ben Burt's character who dies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like that. And this is a character that I think has had this name for quite a while, but I, I just learned it studying for trivia. Um, the Imperial who is in the meeting room in A New Hope and also uh, delivers uh, some of the, the news uh, to Tarkin there of more admin bast. Uh, right. It was just like... I enjoyed learning that because I was going through and learning like what is every rebel, every imperial because they all have names now. I'm gonna I'm gonna learn them, um, and that one was really fun because Bast, you know, B A S T. That's like a great Star Wars name. It sounds evil, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I realized yeah, his name is more admin, like you know, <laughs> additional paperwork. <laughs> so he's got a real nerdy first name and a cool last name. I love that. Ah, great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We could talk about that forever. We are going to move on to our questions from our patrons on Patreon. Uh, this one comes from Nick Tierce. This is one of our more uh, just dive in uh, essay like questions uh, from Nick, which we welcome. So enjoy. Sit back. Here we go. Nick says a question I've been struggling with. Can a series maintain its unique identity even as it grows to encompass an increasing volume of sometimes contradictory themes? Real life brings us an infinite supply of incompatible concepts we can hold simultaneously, but the function of myth is often to bring structure to the chaos and offer a unifying vision of some kind to orient and harmonize the individual with their environment. Star Wars as a fictional universe has grown to a scale which sees long-held motifs upended or repurposed as should be expected after 40 years, but there are some core themes being questioned that I associate with the mythic identity of Star Wars that I'm struggling to broaden. In example, Star Wars has a recurring motif of prioritizing the flowing, complex aesthetics of nature against the minimalist controlling lines of mechanization and control. 
However, the recent one-two punch of Jedi Fallen Order's Beasts of Burden and the High Republic's Drenger plant villains are really challenging the core assumption. From a purely artistic standpoint, I can accept that this reflects life. There are most certainly uh, there are most certainly as many predators in nature as there are spiritual companions. But I can't get past this gut association that in Star Wars, nature will always be associated with the good. And hacking down hundreds of animals with a lightsaber, uh, while narratively justified as an act of survival, just doesn't ring that Star Wars bell for me. Similarly, of course, the Drenger are deeply topical and reflect the viral consumption one can witness in nature. But I find myself asking, should Star Wars be telling these stories? Is this what I turn to Star Wars for? Or even, what kind of stories should Star Wars tell? On the one hand, I think it's a vast universe that could and should be about a diverse assembly of themes, something for every fan. But another part of me asks, if Star Wars becomes about everything, will it eventually mean nothing? deep philosophical thoughts and some specific examples. Uh, Great thoughts, Nick. And this is really fun uh, to dive into. Ken, I want to break this up into kind of a couple parts because Nick uh, gives a great kind of overall thesis and then some specific examples. So first, I just want to ask you how you feel about this idea that um, myths do evolve over time. And how do you feel about that happening to Star Wars in general? In general, I I I think like Nick saying of, of like it, it that's natural and should happen. I do believe that there's some just the core core thing that that word core comes up a lot. I say it a lot because I just can't describe any other way what I feel is at the center of Star Wars: the battle of of light versus dark inside of all of us. I don't think it's any more complicated than that, and I still think it is. So I I still think. Who's experiencing that character-wise, story-wise, can change, should adapt, all those kind of things. But I, I still think it's there uh, for me. But um, even then, when you talk about, you know, complicating that in, in a wonderful way and should you, you know, can you, is everything always going to be black and white? I, I, I think there's examples in like the Clone Wars, Ahsoka even cites that, learning the lessons of politics with Padme. And like, I do think there's some wonderful complications and layers in Star Wars, but it all still boils down. That's just my perspective on it. I don't, I, you know, uh, I'm certainly not an insightful philosopher here, but um, <laughs> that's just the way I look at it. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think I, I agree with the, a big part of what Nick's saying here is that myths do evolve. That is just uh, sort of the the truth uh, of of myths in our real world, right? And if we consider Star Wars, we can look at Star Wars in a lot of different ways. We can look at it as, you know, um, a modern uh, story that is being told at this point by a lot of creators, but also a big company. But if you kind of are willing to look at it as a myth, I think it's totally natural that it evolves um, you know, I watched this great special I've mentioned a couple of times. It's a, a series of six parts, I believe, on Netflix called Myths and Monsters. And there's a lot of stuff that, you know, I think a lot of Star Wars fans are very familiar with about um, the hero's journey, uh, about how different cultures process different stories. But it really highlighted in a couple episodes really well about how some of the things, some of the myths that we're very familiar with, how much they would get set down for generations <laughs> or, you know, years. Yeah. And then it'd be picked up and say like something like Robin Hood, right. Of like, mm-hmm. okay, that, that general, you know, uh, a hero who robs from the rich to give to the poor, like, okay, that's going to get reinvented mm-hmm. as those, as those different, those core ideas are never going to change, but what do they mean in this context now? And the idea that, that the point of myths is kind of help people with, whatever is happening now and like that that is why they evolve or even you know for people to just say like we want to get this idea across let's get it across in this package that people are kind of familiar with 
but the idea has has morphed a little bit or evolved, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's natural. I think Star Wars will uh, do that. Um, I think that it's one of the great things to me about Star Wars right now is to hear like Filoni in particular talk about it because he has been kind of uh, had this journey of, of, you know, learning from the master, but now being one of the creators, main creators himself and that he talks about all the time the balance between the new and old in Star Wars that yet you can't be too afraid. You have to play an experiment, but then you also have to really always go like, but what is totally core? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that is just a a part of telling these stories for me. One like really good example of something that evolves in a good way is uh, I love this thematic that Nick is talking about. Uh, we talk about it all the time here about the, you know, the flowing and organic versus the rigid and, and mechanized. And sometimes it's literal. Sometimes it's more about the kind of spiritual attitudes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like in say like the uh, original trilogy, that idea is made is used in such a clear way where literally missing body parts become a symbol of mechanization and evil, right? The turning point uh, for Luke to realize that he does not want to become what his father is, is looking at his mechanical hand and seeing his father's sparking wires and connecting to the, to Obi-Wan's he's more machine than man now. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that theme of, of, you know, rigid and mechanical versus flowing and organic is there, but it's evolving, right. Uh, where Claudia Gray in particular on purpose in her Leia princess of Alderaan novel, uh, added this to canon where Brea Organa has had an injury mm. as a child and she has this new tech, the uh, pulmonodes, uh, to entirely replace her heart and lungs. Yeah. To really like recenter that mythic image to say the it's not about missing body parts. It's not a bad thing to miss body parts. Right. <laughs> and the story with Vader and Luke is about the scars of war, you know, and the body parts are an analogy for the soul, right? They're They're taking the the literal picture of mechanic versus organic and saying it's spiritual not literal so like that's to me just an example of something that's evolving in a good way switching around yeah i'm, I'm with you i'm learning i'm taking notes <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna lie I'm taking notes uh, um yeah so so i think if we're kind of on the same page that it's going to evolve. And then the question is how even, you know, Filoni is saying that kind of explicitly on some of the behind the scenes things. Like, yes, of course it has to evolve. The The delicate question is how uh, Nick brings up for himself. Some of the things where he's not sure about the way it's evolving in terms of uh, what these different treatments of uh, flowing organic creatures in star Wars look like. So let's talk about a couple of those specific examples. Uh, the Jedi fallen order beast slaughter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I would uh, argue that it's many places in star Wars, but the Jedi Fallen Order, I think it was just so much of the gameplay that I, I think it really uh, just uh, emerged to the surface for a lot of us. Uh, I know that was something that uh, fans have talked to us about. We've talked about on the podcast. Yep. Uh, for me, I'm going to throw this out here, Ken. I think one of the parts of Star Wars evolving is being aware of uh, certain tensions. And one of the huge tensions between for Star Wars for me is between it is a deep myth and it's an adventure serial. And I feel like all that beast slaughtering came from adventure serials because they, your, your hero goes to a strange, bizarre place and encounters a strange, bizarre beast that wants to eat him or her or them. So they have to fight against the beast that's going to kill them. And it's the beast as a metaphor for other feelings and all that. Uh, But then uh, enough time builds up and you got these heroes who fight for light and nature and (laughs) 
<laughs> at a certain point, you're like, ah, I'm, I'm feeling that tenture, tension with the adventure serial with the myth part. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about that? I, I'm right there with uh, Nick and you and, and others. I got I get a call from my friend Billy the other day who was kind of out of the Star Wars discussion world. And not too long ago, about two months ago, he was like, I'm finally playing Fallen Order. Is it just me or too many animals being killed? Like, <laughs> you you are absolutely right. It was part of the discussion. And I, I, I don't hold the creators of that game to the flame too hard because I think you're right. It's. It's a video game, and this is what's expected. That's why I think we all celebrate Battlefront 2 and that whole Luke scene of, uh, you know, here's Luke slaughtering creatures and Jedi or, or stormtroopers, and as a Jedi, what does it mean? And they deal with it. Not every game's going to have that moment. But, yeah, you, you, you feel it, and I think that just comes sometimes. You're going to have to push that needle a little bit more to, uh, you know, you couldn't have a game of press X to slowly mind meld with the creature until you convince it to leave, like, Maybe you could. Maybe that's what people want now. Um, I also think that just means that the that the, those core Star Wars themes have been so well communicated now, particularly again going to that Battlefront Two story mode, that that now I think even more folks are just they want the correct philosophies or those philosophical questions to be answered more than just the simple slaughter. But you're right. I think uh, even when you look at Episode Nine and the conversations around the pay seat and and uh, and it, it, it was just it just was keeping in with what we love the serial adventure stuff like you talk about a lot. So I think maybe people are just more aware of that tension now. And then you got to be you as a creator have to be more concerned with that tension. Yeah, I think so. I think like there's a you know lots of episodes with Clone Wars with beasts and some of them like Zillow Beast. You know it has empathy for the beast because the beast is kind of the main character in some ways. But like uh, there is the episode where Obi Wan uh, teams up with Quinlan Voss and they're chasing Cad Bane and a monster pops up and <laughs> Obi Wan's just like slice, slice, slice. You're dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just don't. And I think that's a that's an example of evolving. I think yeah. that I, I bet that Jedi Fallen Order Two is not going to have the same amount of beast slaughter because I think. Right. Uh, I think it's something that they're that a lot of creators are aware of, and I think it's going to evolve. And I think that's like a, a great evolution uh, to to uh, try to reconcile the philosophy side of Star Wars with that particular adventure serial trope. Yeah, yeah. Look, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a child of the '80s. It was like, yeah, lightsabers are for slashing uh, slashing arms off. I saw it. I saw it on the screen. <laughs> and sometimes they are. Sometimes. Uh, yeah. And then let's uh, let's talk about uh, Drenger because I think this is coming from a kind of a different uh, perspective. Uh, Ken, how do you feel like the Drenger, a plant uh, life that is powerful in the dark side? Mm -hmm. How do you think they speak to this uh, Star Wars uh, theme, mythic theme of organic versus uh, mechanized? I can only speak to what it made me feel initially and how it's generally done pretty well in, in carrying out the execution of this idea of just you know, this question of, of what makes the Jedi afraid and all those kind of things that were being asked before the High Republic and, and, and just the idea that something organic would be infused with the dark side, which we still don't know a lot of the origins and what the Nile are doing, doing with it and how much, uh, how much does that speak upon uh, the organic can be corrupted? Uh, you know, we corrupt our own world or something like that if you want to get to the big giant theme. So I'm intrigued from that standpoint because it is, different and, and and the jedi being so uh tied to nature the world the the galaxy and and, and the force binding it all together it it i just always looked at it as not a philosophy ben but just like ooh, what a way what a what a way to tweak the fear factor of the jedi the thing they think they should trust is trying to make them meet yeah yeah i think i'm i think i'm with you i think that uh, for me the drencher really work 
because the, the dark side is natural. You know, that that's the way I look at it and discussed a lot on the podcast even recently of like death, decay, you know, uh, pain, cycle of animals feeding off of one another and all that leading to rebirth that like that's the the general philosophy of the dark side exists and the dark side becomes a problem when it that becomes greedy and wants to you know gobble up more right. and for me so for me the the drenger being this natural plant that is naturally destructive <laughs> and hungers and just wants to consume what it encounters that feels natural because that feels like that's that's a part of the the dark side mm-hmm. but then the story that we're getting here is that at some point in the past uh they left their world and they spread out uh, just flooding everything, mm. corrupting everything, eating everything. <laughs> they were contained and now they've been unleashed again. And it's to me, it's this classic dark side story of uh, the problem is when the dark side reaches out and tries to gobble up everything. And with the Drenger, it's literal. They literally <laughs> want to eat everything. So for me, it's something that's really interesting in this conversation of organic versus rigid because they are organic they are natural the dark side exists but mm-hmm. they are stepping into this unnatural uh place that the dark side can kind of through being rigid it's their expansion and it's they have a really rigid outlook right it's just we exist uh we are better uh we should consume everything and almost literally their dialogue is rigid of just like uh meat the meat's talking the meat wants to make a deal maybe listen to the meat just eat the meat eat the meat eat the meat like they're they're rigid in their actions you know natural uh in their existence (laughs) and then rigid through their choices in my mind rigid rigid through their choices is a great way to kind of sum that up there for me yeah yeah um so Ken, any any final thoughts on on this uh, big topic? How do you come down on the just the general big picture of do you do you feel like this theme of organic versus mechanical is is making sense to you in all of Star Wars, or do you feel it's shifting about? I no, I still think it it, it still make it makes sense to me. Uh, um, I joke and sometimes put myself down because. That's how I've slid through life. I try to be better, but like, I, I like things pretty simple and direct and, and, and I connect with things on that level, uh, the gut reaction. And I still think they're hitting all these notes. I understand what's, what Nick is, is asking and, and the worry that Star Wars, uh, if it's about everything, will eventually mean nothing. That's a, that's a scary proposition. That's our own fear. But I think if you still drill down on what's there uh, and look for how it connects to those core themes and the, the modern myth that Star Wars is, I do believe it's still there. Uh, and then just everything else around it uh, continues to grow, change, and present itself slightly different at times. Yeah, no, and I, I definitely agree with uh, with Nick's concern of if if a specific idea gets kind of a uh, it evolves in a way that that it starts to kind of lose coherence, uh, then it can undermine maybe something that you as a particular fan really gravitate toward in Star Wars. For myself, uh, and this is just personal, I, I don't think it's happening for me with the organic versus. Uh, the mechanical, because uh, I think that that's always been a framework to view things. And sometimes it is extremely clear. I think, you know, Luke, turn off your targeting computer. (laughs) The computer can't hit that. But if you trust your instincts, your feelings, you can. Uh, The force can. I like that's great. I love that. It's, you know, a metaphor you can apply to your own life in in lots of ways of of when you need to to have a kind of precision and when you need to just follow instinct. Um, but then even going back to, to the first movie, 
there's always been some play in in the way organic versus mechanical is coded because the first characters we meet and in some ways the most human and flowing characters mm-hmm. the most flawed and organic are the droids are yeah. 3PO and R2 right so i think for me that this this idea of the organic versus the mechanical and the rigid is always there in star wars but it's always been able to kind of shift around and you can kind of it's almost more like a question that star wars raises and it has different answers depending on how you apply the question on the pressure you apply to it yeah yeah i get it does that make any sense yes no, it does it does I had a great point with the droids great point yeah because I, I i yeah yeah droids i don't see r2 and 3po as droids too much growing up right they just they were they were the buddies they were the friends there so the, the essence of uh, organic was probably flowing through those circuits flowing through those circuits yeah final thing for me uh on this is uh, i think for me as a fan the thing that brings me the most insight joy fun from the organic versus the mechanical is to really look at it in a spiritual way right because um you can apply it to the jedi the jedi are, are very very intuitive flowing and organic but then they have a lot of rules that they follow and they train hard and they think training is good you know there's a, that's a lot of detail that's a lot of precision that goes into being a jedi and i don't think that's mm. you know in the prequel era they go too far with that and make some mistakes but it's not coded as inherently bad hard work is often held up in star wars is a great thing in many yeah. clone wars morals at the beginning of the episode yeah yeah you know uh but I think when it's it's really meaningful to me, the organic versus mechanical is like that targeting computer moment or the difference between Poe and Hux at the beginning of The Last Jedi. That's like spiritual, right? Of like Poe, somebody is being inventive of, I know that I can needle this guy. And Hux is just literally repeating himself. And he's he's running out of words to insult Hux because he's so rigid and that's all he's got. And Poe could sit there pulling his chain for hours because he's <laughs> flowing and organic, you know? Yeah. And that's spiritual. And I think to me, that's where this uh, this uh, dynamic is most meaningful. Yeah, no, absolutely. Where yeah, Hucks can't can't even see what's in front of them. Exactly. All right, great question, Nick. Thank you uh, very much. Uh, those were a lot of thoughts. So hopefully, uh, some of them were, if not helpful, at least interesting to you. We are going to move on to our final question from Jeff Wood. Uh, Jeff says the movies really like to use those plexiglass panels with green lines on them in command centers. Does anyone know how those actually work? And do you think they could be repurposed uh, during a universe-wide pandemic? <laughs> uh, Jeff in SF. Uh, so, Ken, this question made me order the Ultimate Visual Dictionary uh, because I had no luck finding the actual name of these on Wikipedia. Uh, the best thing that I had is there is a General Recon action figure that comes with a tactical screen. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so uh, maybe it's in the ultimate guide what the actual name is. I is a fan. I've always heard tactical screen or tactical display or said that. Uh, so that's what I know name wise. I'm sure somebody else uh, might have a, a better source, uh, but I dug for it and that's what I found. Uh, Ken, what do, what do you, have you always made of what they are, what they do? Um, I did. Tactics, uh, radar, locations, a map. It's a Google map in my mind with uh, the ability to kind of uh, get some information uh, even more back. back though, though Google is now providing, Google Maps is now providing like uh, updates on not just traffic, but how busy restaurants are. Uh, and I saw on the Denny's, I was nearby a, a vet I had to go to this morning. And the Denny said, as busy as it's going to get underneath the, des- the Denny's on, on the Google map. So it's updating with spirit and sass. 
I think these boards a little bit of that. And I do wonder how they work uh, other than just, uh, especially back in 1980, you're, you're putting a pen to uh, a magic pen to a wall and doing information. Who could imagine such a thing back then? Uh, at the Scum and Villainy Cantina here in Hollywood, uh, you and I have both been to many times, they have replicas of that as best they can in an unlicensed way. And they're in the like front lobby there. Front lobby there, excuse me. And I have sat by them. I just sat there recently on a lunch break on a Schmodon taping, wondering if how they would work. So I, I'd love to find this official answer. Maybe someone call up Pablo and he'll let us know. <laughs> yeah, this is the kind of thing for me that what the actual boards do, I, I like the ambiguity. For me, it's clearly like, well, it, it is a chart of you know, immediate areas, maybe sometimes, you know, a little bit of not, not a galactic map, but like it's clearly based on tactics and strategy. I think maybe one of my favorite shots is it, it looks like uh torn far in empire strikes back. Mm -hmm. Uh, another name I like knowing, uh, is really interacting with the board as she is plotting like the path of the ion cannons fire. Like she looks yeah. like she's really using that. Um, so for me, I, I kind of, it's the thing for me as a fan, I like it being a little ambiguous now. With that said, I know there are fans who love the technical details, right? Who could, yeah. uh, you know, tell me what every part of the tech of the Falcon actually does and where it is located and <laughs> why it can't be unplugged from that one. Uh, that's never been my kind of fandom, but I really respect that, that people out there have that fandom. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's some technical manual that I've never read that gets into the actual nuts and bolts of this. Fun to know. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I'm not drawn to that right away. But then, like I said, I literally have sat in front of that board wondering myself because it's just you're so you grow up with it. Grow up with torn far just uh, moving buttons around a screen. And now, especially because in MCU movies now, or you know, uh, even Bond. I was watching the old Bond movies with Daniel Craig, or even the early ones. They got those big magic touch screens. People are moving around. I'm like, how do you even learn to do this? Like, give me a speaking <laughs> spell and a Commodore 64. Uh, so it does spark my imagination too. Absolutely. And I so deeply love that you brought Denny's into this because now I'm very tempted to buy that General Recon action figure and pretend that he is looking up how busy Denny's is on that tactical screen. As busy as it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, hate to lose you, Solo. We were going to go to Denny's. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, those are our questions. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, thank you, Nick. Thank you, Kyler and Jonathan. That's it, Ken. That is it. But hey, if you want to find us, maybe submit some questions of your own deep thoughts or questions about boards. We got you covered. You just reach out on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We are on Instagram, YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. You can find this podcast on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Merch is available at tpub.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash or center uh, for uh, my uh, adventures out there in the galaxy. You can follow me at Ken Napsock. Go to KenNapsock.com. I uh, will be in New York, October 7th, New York Comedy Club in the East Village. Uh, you can get tickets on my website. Uh, link, uh, link from there. I'll be doing comedy with uh, Mark Ellis, Jen Sturger, and others. And I'll be popping in on Friday as well. But my big show is going to be that Thursday, October 7th. Uh, Joseph, what do you got, sir? Yeah, you can find me at Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all of my other comedy adventures. Pretty soon, I'll be at Denny's. Not doing comedy, but I just want to go to Denny's now. That's it. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, all righty. That is the show for this week. Coming back on a Thursday with deep dives on more uh, of the Visions episodes, book reviews coming. We got things coming. We got you covered here for Center, where you want to stop, stop, shop for celebrating Star Wars. So 
for all the beasts of burden, slayed in fallen order. This one is for you. We'll see you next time here on Law Enforcement. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.